Amen. We, uh, we serve a great God, and he wants us to uh, represent him in the world around us and to uh, bless one another with the good things that he's given us. If you would stand at this time, we'd like to pray. Praise God. If you have a need, uh, we ask you if you feel comfortable to identify that by raising your hand, if, if only just to show faith that God knows your need, or if you would like to have someone come and pray with you, uh, you can be open to that as well. Let's pray together for this service. Uh, pray for Pastor Jerry. I don't know if he's here tonight. Uh, he's, he said that his the swelling has gone down. He's at home. Yeah, wise man. Um, so pray for Pastor Jerry. The swelling on, on his uh, jaw, his tooth has gone down quite a bit, but he's on uh, painkillers, so uh, keep him in mind. Keep him in prayer. In Jesus' name, we thank you, God, for your presence in this place. We know, God, that you are everywhere all the time, but we also know, God, that you have promised to do uh, 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 marvelous things in the midst of your people and where we gather together in your name that you have promised, oh God, to be in our midst in a special way. So God, let your blessing and anointing be upon your people and upon everyone who comes into this house, everyone who hears and sees this online. We pray especially for your blessing on those who are serving in ministry here tonight to, to make this possible for the rest of us. We pray, God, for Pastor Jerry, God, for healing in his body, for a miracle, for a touch. There are many here, oh God, who have struggled with, with uh, colds and flus and uh, illnesses and with even cancer, oh God. And we know, God, that you are able in this moment, in this moment to do a work by the name of Jesus Christ. We release it. We claim it by your authority. We ask for your blessing on this service, on all that we do, that we can honor you and we can bless one another for your name's sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. You may stand or sit or kneel or come to the front, whatever works for you, but please feel free to worship the Lord.
God. Praise the Lord, church. It is so great to be here in the house of the Lord tonight, to be with my brothers and sisters, friends and family. You can be seated this evening. It is... It has been a while, and uh, I'm just glad to be here tonight. Got to bring you up to speed. We have a, a couple. It's Sister Lois's birthday today. She's a Valentine's birthday girl. Also, I think it's William Stopes' birthday. Is that correct? Yesterday? Oh, it's all right, man. Happy birthday. And... Uh, I've I kind of bringing you up with my wife and I and we uh, with Rick and Linda Wells we had a vacation planned we ended up going to Texas for a week but prior to that I kind of blew my ankle out some of you've asked what did I do I have no earthly idea I'm to that age and some of you can relate to this that you just go to bed feeling good and wake up in the middle of the night and something broke. I don't know what I did while I was sleeping. I don't know who I was chasing or what I was running after. But uh, I woke up in the middle of the night, and my ankle, it just was not there. So had a bunch of tests run and have an MRI coming up in another week. And I'm doing much better, but I'm still kind of nursing it a little bit. Uh, when we went on vacation, they gave me one of those boots to put on, which is awesome if you want to go around and just kick stuff, brother. Millen, because you can, with that boot, man, you can, like, kick a fire hydrant and it won't hurt you. Probably explains why my ankle's sore, but no. <laughs> so, uh, also excited, Brother Millen was sharing with me. They had 45 in Sunday school in Janesville on Sunday. So, it was a tie for their record attendance. And uh, we're just excited about what God is doing. There are ample opportunities in the kingdom of God. And uh, we're in a series, and uh, we're going to go ahead and, and not wrap the entire series up, but wrap up this portion of it tonight. I have one more little offshoot that we're going to cover uh, before our ministry fair coming up, opportunity fair at the end of this month. But Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 20, I'm just going to read 15 and 16. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We have to understand something. When God saves us, God saves us for a purpose. And uh, I, I believe this, that that, that purpose uh, was to look at today. I love that. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's just not another day, but it's a day that the Lord has made to involve us in his kingdom and for him to involve himself in our world. And uh, he clearly wants us to anticipate the dawn of every new day with expectancy. I don't know how you are, but I wake up in the morning and I kind of have this routine that I enjoy very much. I like to just lay there in bed and just soak up whatever is happening outside my window and just open back the window and just let that sunlight, even if it's a cloudy day, just let that light in and just sit there and just look 
look outside. If it's a summer, spring, summer, I love to hear the birds. I like to crack open the window because this is a day of opportunity. And God wants us to anticipate that day. He does not want us to settle for whatever and whoever comes our way. God wants his church to be alive. He wants his church to go about his business of occupying until he comes. And what that means is to carry on his business, which means getting something accomplished. It's a shame if you go to church or you come to church week after week and month after month and nothing changes in your life. There's something wrong. There's something sick spiritually in your life. So get something. We need to accomplish something, whatever, wherever we are, and whatever we're engaged in doing. We have to understand he has given us the power and the authority, and we are blessed. And we are blessed, so that means we are to be a blessing to other people. We are to be a blessing to our brothers and our sisters, and we're to be a blessing to those outside of this church. We're to be a blessing to our neighbors, our neighborhood, and we can't bless anybody else if we're broken. Did you know that? God wants us to be healthy. If we're broken or we're just getting by or we're hoping that the rapture will come before the first of the month because we don't have enough money to pay the bills. <laughs> have you ever prayed, Lord, would you just come, please? I don't want to deal with this next situation. Just please. We should be more concerned about growing up in Jesus. This is a good statement. We should be more concerned about growing up in Jesus than going up to Jesus. I'm excited about the rapture. I, 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 will, I, will, I will be ecstatic, Brother Millen, when the rapture takes place. I'll probably be the one screaming and yelling and yahooing all the way. But I don't mind. I, I, I feel like I've got more to accomplish yet. I don't think God is finished with me yet. And I want him to complete his perfect will in my life, and I want him to complete his perfect will in your life and in this church. So occupying obviously means much more than just taking up space waiting for the rapture. So picking up on some of our points where we left off, our first point we're going to make tonight is we need to maximize the spiritual as well as the personal power within our talents and abilities working in us. And we're going to explain this a little more. Ephesians 3.20, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Now when you look at this passage of Scripture, there are a number of powerful thoughts at work in just this one verse alone. So when we look at this, first of all, all glory to God. <laughs> Paul starts off saying, all glory to God. All that happens, all that we are, all that we do, we give glory to God, who is able 
through his mighty power. So we give glory to God as a great place to start. Now we look in Revelation 4.11, in God's words translation, it says this, Our Lord and God, you deserve to receive glory. I love that song, you deserve the glory, you deserve the glory. The honor and the power because you, Lord, created everything. When you look at this, everything that we see, feel, touch, experience, God has created. Everything came into existence and was be- and created because of God's will. Second, God is able. God is able. I talked to a brother today who was just having a, just a, a rough go at life, and, I, and I, I tried to talk with him and say, understand something, bro. God is able. God is able to fix. God is able to, to, to get inside of your situation. Romans 4.21 said he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. So first, all glory goes to God. Second, God is able. Third, it's through God's mighty power. Paul again writes in 1 Corinthians, he says, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. Fourth, his mighty power at work within us. God gave us the Holy Ghost. (laughs) I've said this before. The Holy Ghost is not just for salvation. That's the starting point of the Holy Ghost. But his mighty power should be at work within us. Paul writes in Ephesians 1.9, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us to believe him. This is the same mighty power. Everything is here because of the power of God. You look outside and you look at the expanses of space and you look through and, and, and as far as you can see into space is God's power, God's authority. Fifth, we're to accomplish. We're to accomplish, not be defeated or a failure. Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians, so we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call that he may give or may he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. And sixth, more than we, not anybody else, this is a conscious decision on our part. Jeremiah 17.10 tells us, I, the Lord, search minds and tests hearts. I will reward each person for what he has done. I will reward him for the results of his actions. How many of you believe that God is a God that when he says something, he will do what he says? And last, number seven in this verse is more than we might think or more than we might ask or think. 
God is incredible. I mean, I, I, I think of this, that, that he's a, will, he can do abundantly and above whatever we are able to ask or even think. When you think about your wildest God imaginations, and we've probably all had these moments where we've sat there and we've thought about God and we thought about as we commit our lives to him and we want to be used by God and we're praying for God's purpose in our lives and our minds just expand out to the wildest, most incredible dreams, visions of what God can do or you and imagining God doing through you. The Bible tells me here that he can do more than what we are able to ask or even think. Our next point tonight is we should be creating opportunities, not settling for what's available. Creating opportunities, not settling for what's available. Colossians 4, 5 Paul is writing, he says, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of opportunities. Now listen to this point, church. If you're not looking for opportunities for God to be glorified in and through your life, you will not recognize them when they are right in front of you. I'm going to repeat that again, okay? If you're not looking for opportunities for God to be glorified in and through your life, you will not recognize them when they're right in front of you. God wants us using every opportunity we have right now. Right now. Now, we're going to follow up this series with just a short little lesson on every opportunity doesn't have to be massive and huge. So many times we look for the big, huge massiveness. We want God to use us in parting the Red Sea, and we want God to use us in raising the dead and calling Lazarus out and, 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 and all of this. But so many times, because we're looking for the big, we miss the little. And most of the opportunities God brings to us in our lives are in the little so God wants us using every opportunity right now, not later, when we think we're ready. I remember having a conversation with a brother probably 25 plus years ago, and we got into this conversation about God using uh, us in, in our lives or God using people in their lives, and he made the statement that I'm not ready for God to use me. And that was where our, our discussion kind of began and, and carried on. And, 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 and the, the, the basic essence of all of this was, was when you think you're ready or you won't allow God to use you until you think you're ready, then you will never be ready. Because the enemy will keep you in doubt. The enemy will keep you in fear. 
1 Corinthians 7.31 says, For those in frequent contact with the exciting things the world offers should make good use of their opportunities without stopping to enjoy them, for the world in its present form will soon be gone. Have you ever stopped to think about this one question here, about why God gives us opportunities? you thought about that? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.11, yes, we live under constant danger to our lives because we serve the Lord, but this gives us constant opportunities to show forth the power of Jesus Christ within our dying bodies. You see, he gives us opportunities. God gives us opportunities I want you to look at this word using the way I'm using this right now. As God gives us opportunities to showcase his power. God gives us sometimes, he gives us trials. <laughs> he gives us a tough go at life. He throws curveballs into our lives to showcase his power. Moving along tonight, my next point is we need to be continually attempting great things for God. There's an old 17th century statement that says, expect great things, attempt great things. When you look at the New Testament, when you look at, at the book of Acts, the book of Acts is full of miracle after miracle after miracle. Why do you suppose that is? Why do you suppose that there are so many miracles recorded in the book of Acts? Anybody want to take a guess at, the, at that? Are you just at awe tonight that I'm actually here speaking, or is everybody just like, <laughs> Sister Millen? They took action. They expected something to happen. They expected something to happen. I, 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 I reread that story of, of, of the lame man at the gate, beautiful. <laughs> that lame man, he expected something. He expected silver and gold. <laughs> Paul and Silas is like, you know what, we're broke, man. We're as broke as you are. You probably got more in your tin bucket than what we got in our pockets, but we got something you ain't got, and we're going to give it to you. And what happened was Paul and Silas expected, is that Paul and Silas? It wasn't Paul and Silas. I'm in the wrong story. They were in jail, Peter and John. Peter, they, they expected he expected. So when Jesus, when they took it personal, when Jesus told them, greater things than these shall ye do, they looked at themselves and says, you know what? He's talking about us here. He's talking about us 12. He's talking about the 120. He's talking about the New Testament church. Greater things than these shall ye do. Ephesians 1.19 says, And so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness 
of his power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength. And church, we need to develop the spirit of expectation and the mindset of expecting great things. How many times do we sing the song, I expecting great things, we are expecting great things, and in the back of your mind, you're wondering, when is this going to happen? <laughs> when we begin to exercise our expectations. You see, you, you, you can't heal, I mean, you, if, if you never lay hands on the sick, they're never going to be recovered. If, if we don't step out in some of these areas, it's not going to happen. So our next point is we have to assume, assume a position of leadership within your environment. This is a really big point here because we, we look at leadership. I've really taken a different approach to leadership over the last few years as I did in the in the previous years as far as how, what leadership is and how it actually applies in a church. I believe that every last one of us, God calls us to be a leader. We typically look and say, well, it's the pastoral staff as the leadership of the church, and that's correct. But that doesn't stop there. It goes much deeper than that. Every last one of us should be a leader in the church. Every last one of us should be willing to accept a leadership role in the church because we're all called. We're all called to be priests in our homes, to be leaders in our homes. So leadership, we have to assume a position of leadership within our environments. And every last one of us is in a different environment. How my house is and how your house is is much different. You have to assume leadership in your environment, in your household, on your job, in your neighborhood, in your family. You have to take and assume a position of leadership. Exodus 18.20 in the message tells us, Your job is to teach them the rules and instructions to show them how to live, what to do. I had a conversation recently with the brother, and I spent most of the time doing exactly what that verse is telling. I'm trying to teach him, work with him, <laughs> and show him, give him rules and instructions that he can take and teach to his family because he didn't have a leadership position, a, a person of leadership in his life. And we live in a world today where that so many families are void of leadership. We're suffering in this country, and one of the biggest problems we have in this country is not necessarily political ideologies, but it's a vast, vast shortage of leadership. Delinquent leaders, it's, it's much easier to just blame somebody or blame a group of people than it is to take and and suck it up and figure out how to fix the problem and fix the problem. We can pour billions and trillions of dollars into things and not get them fixed because we don't have leadership in our country. So in order to be successful in life, you have to have a successor. 
which means that you must train those who work with you as our families to effectively handle the things you need help in achieving. If you're learning a new occupation, a skill or a trade, and many of you know I, I grew up in the plumbing trade, so a lot of these points and such have to do with, with trade and skills and, and such. You want to learn from people who have already proven themselves to be successful. If you're going to learn a new skill, if you're going to learn a new trade, you want to learn from somebody that's been there and has mastered that particular trade. An effective leader, an effective leader should always be trying to work themselves out of a job. As far as families go, dads, you know what you need to do? You need to teach your children so that someday they'll take over the position in your family. You see families all the time transitioning from one generation to the next generation as generations age and pass on, the next generation steps up. So an effective leader, an effective dad should always be working to try to work himself out of a job to where that his children raise up and bear the responsibility, teaching and training new leaders who can assume even greater areas of responsibility. Now, you'd be amazed, at, maybe not so amazed, I guess, at the number of people who try doing everything themselves. I've seen this happen in families where the dad finally just says, ah, my kids are worthless, I'm just going to do everything myself so it gets done right. I've heard that statement before. I've, been work, I've worked on jobs where that I've had bosses that felt like that everybody else was just dumb and stupid and they were the only smart one. So that if they want it done right, they got to do it themselves. And, um, and, and uh, so they become frustrated and irrational. And, and if someone else becomes good at their job, uh, they're afraid that maybe that Insecurities is a really big thing that we see a lot of insecure leaders and they don't want people to become better than they are. Um, but uh, consider, consider this success principle. And um, I, I sometimes I'll use little things as memory pegs. And I remember when my wife and I were in Sunday school, we, we would take and teach the kids certain songs and we would use certain things as to help a memory peg. How many of you, when you go buy gas, you put E85 gas in your car? Anybody ever put E85 in, in your car? Some of your vehicles are E85. Okay. So we just, you don't, you don't call it, you call it E85, even though that's technically not what it is. So when we look at, at Bible verses, there are certain Bible verses that you could look at. and We all know Acts 238, don't we? Why do we know Acts 2.38? A lot of us, it's because you hear that Acts 2, you know, an Acts and 2.38s and all this and that because of memory pegs. So Ephesians 6.8, E68. E so just remember this, E68. Knowing whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. So what Paul is saying here is whether you work for someone or you're self-employed, rather, whatever good thing you cause to happen to someone else, God will likewise do for you. Now, 
if you're good at developing successful leaders, you'll probably never be out of a job. I've worked for companies where that they've allowed me to just teach and train the young men. And I look at this, and one of the young men that I had the opportunity to teach and train on my job was Jeff Rossing. And uh, I look at Jeff Rossing, and Jeff Rossing is a, a good hard worker. And he learned the plumbing trade very well. And what did he do? Because he learned it. He took and he passed it on to his brother. And his brother Nathan is a plumber because Jeff was a plumber. And now they're passing it on to their son Nolan. And Nolan is picking up the plumbing trade. And when you look at this, this is what this is talking about. About being a successful leader. If you're a successful leader, if you can successfully teach people and successfully train people, you will never be out of a job. And one more thing is you'll never be broke again <laughs> because good leaders are in demand in all sorts of areas of life. So remember our last series, we talked about the letter R. We talked about rest, relax, reflect, refresh, recreate, and reinvigorate and rejoice at the progress you're making. We talked about noticing that those were all ours. So my last point I want to make here tonight is to invigorate, refresh, and energize for every day. Now, when you look at this, the word invigorate does not appear as a translation in the King James Version. It doesn't appear in the New King James or in the New International. However, we do find it twice in the Amplified Version of the Bible, which by amplification, it uses all of the Greek words available to bring us into a broader meaning of this Scripture. So when we look at Colossians 1.11 in the Amplified Bible, it says, we pray that you may be invigorated and strengthened with all power according to might and his glory to exercise every kind of endurance and patience, perseverance and forbearance with joy. Now when we look at these scriptures here, when we read this, we can read in the message, we look in, 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 in 2 Thessalonians uh, 2, 15 and through 17, Paul is saying in the message, so friends, take a firm stand, feet on the ground and head high, keep a tight grip on what you were taught, whether in personal conversion or by our letter, may Jesus himself and God our Father who reached out in love and surprised you with gifts of unending help and confidence, put a fresh heart in you, invigorate your work, enliven your speech. Now, when you look at this, the word reinvigorate doesn't appear in Scripture at all. However, I'm mentioning this word here because I believe it describes a fire of God that should live in all of our bones. Jeremiah talks about a fire being shut up in his bones. So when we look at this, we're talking about to give vigor, to fill with life 
and energy and to energize. How many of you feel energy tonight? <laughs> Everybody looks really tired tonight. Let's stand. <laughs> So here's a question. We're talking about opportunity knocking. We talk about the spiritual power and authority that God has given to us. How does this break down to me personally? So the question is, is are you alive tonight with spiritual power? Are you exercising spiritual power and authority in your life? Are you resting? Are you relaxed? Are you reflecting? Are you refreshing? Are you recreating? Are you reinvigorating and rejoicing at the progress that we're making? And if you're not, why not? What is it that holds you back? What is it that you fight with? What is it that you struggle with? I talked to a brother recently and he was just talking about some of the fights and the battles that he's been facing. I said, you have to understand something, brother. Every time you go backwards. <laughs> I, I, use, I use an analogy. I think it was Walter Payton. I don't know if he still has the record or not, but at the time he had set the record of like 24,000 yards of rushing in his career. That's a lot of yards. And he averaged 4.6 or 4.7 yards per carry. You take 25,000 yards, divide it by 4.7, and that's how many times he got smashed into the ground. Rough life as a running back in the NFL. But you see, he made a statement. He said, I always determined that if I was going to fall, I was going to fall forward because I'm moving the ball. When I look at that, as I told this brother today, I said, you know, brother, I said, listen, <laughs> life is a lot like the game of football. Some days you have nice, smooth runs, and other days it's like every time you get up, something knocks you down. But we have to fall forward. At least when we're falling, we're making progress. And I said, you know, sometimes we continue to fight the same battles over and over and over again because that's, 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 that has to be the epitome of frustration. When the devil comes at you and tempts you and you fall and you struggle and you fall and you got to get up. And I said, sometimes we spend all of our lives fighting the same territory over and over and over and over again. 
But that's not what God wants. That's not what God designed. He didn't design life to be that way for us. He designed life to be full, full of opportunity, full of blessing, <laughs> restful, relaxing, refreshing, reinvigorating. So if you're here tonight and life isn't that way, why not? Why isn't it that way? And what are you going to do? What are we going to do to change it so it becomes that way? Because God is opening up opportunities, and he wants us to partake. He wants us to step in to those opportunities. So Sister Abby leads us in worship. I just want to open up this altar tonight. A chance to reflect, to refresh, to recreate, reinvigorate, and rejoice. God is good. God is good. And God is opening up opportunities like we've never will be able to experience before. And when he opens up that door, we have to step through it. God bless you.
if you're not looking for opportunities for God to be glorified in and through your life, you will not recognize them when they're right in front of you. I'm repeating that quote because I feel that God is calling many of you into an area far outside of your comfort zone. What I mean by that is it's real easy to go up to any brother, any sister one-on-one and talk with them down here after church. But it changes quite drastically your comfort level when you have to stand up in front of a group of people with something prepared as in a message to preach and or teach. And God is opening up opportunities for many of you (laughs) and you're not wanting to step through. I just want to encourage you just because so many times we think, well, I don't want to get up there and preach. I don't want to get up there and teach because I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. You don't have to be either one. All you have to do is just be willing and follow after God and let God lead you. And you're just basically taking God's word and you're a sower with the seed. And everyone here has been called to sow seeds. God's just calling you to sow seeds at a public venue. A lot of times we sow seeds in private. Nobody ever even knows. So I just want to encourage you. As we go into this year, man, it's already halfway through February. This year's going to go by fast. Because every year it goes by faster and faster and faster. I just want to encourage you that whatever opportunity God opens up for you, step into it. Step into it. It may just be for a season in your life. Seasons can come and seasons can go, but step into it. God bless you. Love you. Appreciate you. Somebody said we're supposed to get a whole bunch of snow tonight. Is that really true? I hope not. I hope they're wrong. I just came from sunny and 70. I don't want to have to shovel again. And they're mowing lawns down south. (laughs) Green grass is coming. The birds are coming. It's all behind. It's all coming. God bless you. See you back here. Don't forget, if you signed up for our marriage retreat, Friday night, Saturday, And then Sunday, we'll be having a Sunday morning service in Waterloo at our new location there. So, God bless you. Thank you so very much to our music team.